Hi, I'm Billy Shore. Welcome back to Add Passion and Stir. It's our weekly conversation about food, passion, and making a difference in the world. And I'm thrilled to be joined once again by Chef Daniel Hume of 11 Madison Park. Daniel joined us last August for what turned out to be one of our most listened to episodes. It was during the phase of the pandemic when he turned his restaurant into a commissary and partnered with Rethink Food to feed those who were experiencing hunger during COVID-19. At the time, Daniel said to me, it felt like a very obvious thing to do. If we want to continue the way we've done things, it will be irrelevant and empty. If you want a luxury brand going into the future, you need a bigger purpose. This is the proudest chapter of my career so far. Well, we wanted to re-release that episode today and include this brand new updated conversation with the chef about his latest bold move. Just this past week, Chef Daniel Hume made headlines around the world announcing that his Michelin award-winning 11 Madison Park would reopen without meat or fish on the menu. And this was in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, CNN, Eater. Daniel, welcome back and thank you for joining us to talk about yet another innovative move on your part. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, and I'm very excited about this this new chapter. Um, but like you said, during the pandemic, um, the work with Rethink and, and preparing these meals and being in these neighborhoods um, uh, has really deeply touched me. And when I started thinking about food in a creative way again, I knew that things had to be different. I knew that I had changed. And I knew um, that my voice is my food, my cooking, uh, which became so clear during the pandemic and reconnecting with food in such a beautiful way, like, you know, seeing the magic of food again in, so, in a different way. And, and, and uh, you know, food is such a beautiful and powerful thing. It touches everyone and it touches um, our planet deeply. And so when I started thinking about creating again, uh, it became very clear to me um, that I wanted to create an experience um, that feels delicious and luxurious and thoughtful uh, without meat or fish or any animal products. And, and, but, and behind that, though, is when, when you say your, your voice is your food, um, I think you're saying that that's how you express yourself and your values and your beliefs, uh, because the idea I think behind the no meat and the no fish is really the impact it's going to have on our world, on the environment. I've read you saying that the way we source and eat is unsustainable. Uh, say a little bit about what you mean by that. The way we source and eat is unsustainable and, and what you're hoping to accomplish by going, without meat and without uh, fish? Yes. No, my, my hope is that um, we, we can show a delicious and, and you know, uh, at our restaurant is, is always been about creating these sort of magical uh, moments uh, during the hour someone eats at our restaurant. And I, my hope is that we can show that, we can create these magical moments that are luxurious and delicious um, 
without using Meet. And, and my hope is that because the platform we have, it will inspire others um, to do so. Um, when I think about, for example, the car industry, and I was thinking about that a lot, when, when Toyota Prius came out with the hybrid car it, like 20 years ago, um, that was really groundbreaking and, and super innovative and, uh, you know, unbelievable. But it didn't really change the car game that much. It, it was really when Tesla decided to make a luxurious electric car that it really changed the entire car industry. And sort of like, yeah, what you said is true. Um, this is not a you know, anti-meat um, move. This is more a pro-planet move. And what's happening uh, around the world, uh, yeah, the way we eat meat, the way we farm, uh, it's not sustainable. And there has to be a significant change. And I believe that if we can show that we have this unique platform. And if we can show that on our level, I believe that it can make a real difference in the world. And uh, is this something that you, Chef, were able to conclude uh, based on, I guess, kind of gut instinct and, and what we all understand about our environment and climate and climate change, did you have to do dig deep and do research on the impact of meat or is it just kind of, is it more of just kind of a common sense pro planet thing? It is so obvious, Billy. It is so obvious. Like when you go through everyday's life and especially as a chef, I mean, I've seen, I've seen it in changed in front of my eyes. What, you know, product that, used to be available and it's not available anymore and the quality of certain products, the way things are farmed, where they're coming from, what we think is luxurious and it's sort of holding on to an old idea like caviar, for example. Like there is no more wild caviar. It's all farm raised hmm. and usually comes from far away like China. A lot of caviar comes from China. And if we really still think that is luxury as a food expert, like I can't, I can't ignore the fact, all these facts. So I think, um, you know, for me, this all comes from a uh, creative place. I just wanted to put myself, you know, and, and I have loved these products for years and years too, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not anti these products, but if I'm a real expert in food and if I say we're pushing food forward, which is 11 Madison Park has always done, um, then I, I really only see one direction to go into and is to show a way forward that is plant-based and um, inspire, hopefully, others. Well, I'm really interested in you talking about it uh, as, um, as a creative uh, expression because the, when we talked back in August, uh, we both digressed a little bit and talked about, I know you have a love for art and you actually make 
some art. And I, and I know, I think most people think of you as a chef. I think of you as a, as a chef and really as a creative artist. And, uh, th- there must be, um, in you, uh, I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm just projecting. There must be this relentless, um, impulse to create, uh, anew, you know, to, to do things that haven't been done and for the best of reasons. Um, and I mean, was that something kind of building up in you during the pandemic? I just felt like it was such a life-changing experience. Um, and I made the promise to myself that we will change the model. Um, you know, the work with rethink, I, I felt in a way at the very beginning, I felt like, wow, why did we not do this before the pandemic? Why did it take the pandemic for us to get so involved, uh, you know, in feeding people in need? And I just made the promise to myself that when we reopen the restaurant, that that work will be integrated uh, in our business model. So what, what we did is we, um, two months ago, we launched a food truck, the 11 Madison truck, and it is funded by all sales that happen uh, at 11 Madison Park, the restaurant. Uh, There will actually be per reservation, per guest, we will pay five meals forward for people in need. We will cook these meals at our restaurant by our team and hand them out uh, with our food truck uh, in collaboration with Rethink and community organizations um, and uh, on a daily basis. So if we have 100 reservations, we'll give away 500 meals for free uh, every day. So we kind of built this uh, circular ecosystem where the guests are uh, involved in it, where every employee of our restaurant is involved in it because we operate the food truck through our employees on a rotating basis. And even our suppliers who, you know, are um, helping to give us product, um, you know, at a low price, it also helps the food system because they can also give us stuff that might expire soon. Uh, we can also use waste that we produce in our restaurant. So it's a very sustainable sort of model. So that is um, on the rethink front. Um, but then when I thought creatively uh, again, I also, I just found myself to be changed. And so I felt that like you're talking about art and artists and, you know, creating art, it's about the experience one has. It's about the place one is in uh, and, and very much also the time, the time of where the world is at. And so when I took all these things in consideration, um, I got really excited about, you know, showing a way forward that can be just as delicious, just as magical, um, you know, and I would argue more luxurious um, without meat or fish or any animal products. 
And Chef, when we spoke in August and you were telling me about uh, 11 Madison Park becoming kind of a commissary that was serving uh, meals to people who needed it during the pandemic, you spoke about it very movingly. Uh, at, at that point, I think it was some hundreds of thousands of meals. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you've served almost a million meals. Is that correct? Yeah, it's really unbelievable to think that out of the 11 Madison Park kitchen, we have cooked close to a million meals um, in the last 16 months. Um, it's a work that I'm really proud of. It, it was, it's been the most moving work for me. It, it's been, it, it ended up being the best chapter of my career, uh, the pandemic. A million meals. It's really remarkable. And the food truck will be where? Will it be in one place? Will it move around? Uh, how, how will it work? So with the food truck, you know, for us, it's really important that, as, as you know, more than anyone, uh, you know much more about this world than, than I do. And, you know, we're, we're learning. But what I have learned is that these, these meals have to, whatever you do, there has to be a con consistency to it because people start to really rely on, on, on you to be there. And, um, and as well to work, you know, what's been so moving to me, um, being in, being in these neighborhoods. I mean, I, I've, I've learned New York, I've discovered New York in a whole new way in the last year. And, and I've spent a lot of time now in like, you know, neighborhoods like, like Brownsville, uh, in East New York or, or um, you know, other parts of Brooklyn or, or in the Bronx or, or in Queens. And, and, you know, I don't need to tell you, but some of these, um, some of these neighborhoods are really, really tough. And, um, you know, there is, you know, there's so much, uh, so much pain and so much poverty and, uh, you know, crime. And I mean, there are so many issues and, and it's really heartbreaking. And, and I'm not just speaking about some small area of New York, but this is like, you know, the Bronx is massively big. East New York is huge. You know, it goes on and on and on. And, and, um, you know, in those neighborhoods, you, you couldn't find, uh, fresh, fresh food. Um, and so, um, but what's been so touching to me that no matter how bad the situation is, there are these angels of people everywhere. They're doing like God's work. And I don't know what they're tapped into to have this kind of positive energy every day and making a difference every day. And that's been so deeply moving to me. And we've been able to connect with some of these people who have created some of their community organizations. Um, you know, some are through like homeless shelters, some are through churches. It's really quite organized differently. Um, but for, for me, I really want to go into these neighborhoods and support, uh, you know, the infrastructure um, that is already being built by these incredible people. Um, and so the food truck right now is in three different places on different days. Um, but um, 
that's been that's been working out uh, really well uh, so far. But I'm seeing I'm seeing as this food truck, you know, giving out a meal uh, for free to someone in need. It, it's it's of course, I mean, also what I've learned is even though there is so much food insecurity, like the number is like two million people in New York City, which is almost twenty percent, which is unthinkable and unacceptable. Um, and, and, and there are definitely moments where I think like, oh, wow, if we give out a thousand meals, that doesn't really make a difference. But then when you're in these neighborhoods, you're seeing every meal, every single meal makes a huge difference. And I want to encourage everyone who is listening, you know, to do whatever they can, because it does make a difference. And spe- speaking of that, Chef, uh, if people want to support your work, is the best way to do it through Rethink Food? I mean, enjoy our restaurant. We'll support, um, you know, it will support uh, this initiative. But then, of course, for, for larger donation, uh, it would go through Rethink Food. And, of course, uh, we're always looking for people to get behind it and support it uh, financially. Right before we were uh, starting to record, we were talking about, uh, is your reservation book for 11 Madison Park opening up tomorrow, did you say? Uh, May 12th? It opened up yesterday. Oh, it opened up it yesterday. Opened. Okay, so yeah, it opened it up opened on May up 10th. Yeah, it opened up yesterday. And, and the restaurant itself will open when? June 10th. Wow, very the exciting. Re- yeah. L- yeah. Let me ask you just to take us behind the scenes on two things in terms of this decision to not have meat or fish. One is, um, I, I was one of the articles I was reading about this, it said there are 132 restaurants worldwide with three Michelin stars and none are vegan. How do you personally manage risk? Of course, it's scary because um, this, is, this is my livelihood as well. You know, this isn't just some artistic endeavor. This is our life. Uh, this is our job and this is how we make our money. And it's not just me, but it's an entire team. And you know, people have families. And so we're, we're definitely not, um, we're, 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 this is not a reckless decision. Um, I think the way uh, I've been processing is, this is through the work in the kitchen. And in the beginning, when I had this idea a year ago, um, I told the team that we would only do this if we believe that the meal can be as delicious as it was before. And so we've been just working, uh, you know, we've been fermenting a lot because fermentation is an ancient method that, that adds incredible flavors. Um, we've been working with a um, Zen Buddhist monk from Japan who flew here and spent the last six months with us. Um, who is practicing the Shojin cuisine, which is one of the oldest cuisine that happens to be plant-based. And so we also looked at our sort of pantry items of like yogurt and cream and creme fraiche and fish sauce and all these things we usually use. And uh, we have created some of these products through like, we have like this fermented almond milk yogurt that we're adding this culture to it and uh, i mean we, we we've been able to create this pretty this like sunflower oil butter um we also started a farm upstate 
Um, so we, we've done a lot of work. And I think two months ago, we started to feel like, okay, we have something really special. Um, I can tell you, I, I have never been more excited about any menu uh, that I've ever created, like ever. I think it's, it's the best work we've ever done. And it's completely plant-based. So that's kind of when um, we we made the decision. And, um, you know, I was definitely still nervous, um, you know, because we do need guests to, to buy into it. But actually, um, and then, you know, the, the meal has to deliver. But yesterday we opened the reservations book and we sold... Uh, one month of reservation in nine minutes. <laughs> one month in nine minutes. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, well, that, that's so. that's really exciting. Really exciting. I, I had a feeling this was not a casual decision, but to hear you talk about how thoughtfully uh, you approached it and the kind of the history that you dug into, um, it, it, it gives a sense that this is going to be a really, really special experience for Thank people. You. And And I've heard you say, and I've read, uh, you say that, you know, 11 Madison Park is is about surprising people. We don't want to lecture people. And uh, it yes. sounds like you're, you're doing this in a way, just as you said, it's not anti-meat, it's pro-planet. You're doing it in a way to set an example that can be, that can inspire others without having to lecture, uh, just based on the, the what, what you often describe as the magical experience of enjoying a meal there. Yeah. No, exactly. So for, you know, our restaurant was named number one in the world uh, three years ago. And in a way, you know, that's, you you would imagine that that could be the proudest moment in a chef's life. And for me, I was proud of it, but but it felt kind of empty. And uh, because, you know, I always struggled with the idea of, um, obsessing over food the way we do. Um, but then also, you know, even in the same city, knowing that there are people who don't have food. So that always um, bothered me. And it, it also bothered me of, you know, sometimes, you know, it's expensive to eat our, our restaurant. And, um, and food is so magical in so many ways. And so I, I struggle with that to give this more meaning. And I feel like the pandemic has helped me to really uh, make a significant change. And even in my head, understand, okay, the restaurant has its purpose. We want to create these magical experiences. Uh, it's almost like a performance, you know. It's, and I love to work with such a talented team in a beautiful room with beautiful plates and beautiful ingredients and all of that. And, and that's part of culture too. And so if today we can use this platform to also do good, then I think this is a very satisfying, uh, you know, new chapter for me to, to, to be on. Well, I, I love it, Chef, that it wasn't enough for you just to be feeding people who are hungry uh, and creating a magical experience and playing such an important role in ending hunger uh, in New York and in other places around the country is in the many ways that you've helped support us, uh, but that you actually needed to have an impact on what arguably is one of the most important and 
pressing, urgent issues of our time, which is uh, what's happening in our environment and the climate. And yeah. obviously, uh, meat has a has an awful lot to do with that. Um, the, the last thing I'll ask you is, um, I, I'd also read somewhere where you'd said that um, this decision um, at first felt limiting, but then it began to feel freeing. And I can tell just from talking to you that you seem just totally um, thriving in this decision, that there are are no limits. You're not feeling any constraints by a decision that sounds like a constraint, but that it's really been liberating. No, you're so right. Uh, and that is so true. Um, you know, in a way, when I thought of the meal before, we always had like a fish course and a lobster course. And then, you know, we had the duck for the main course. And so in a way that almost looking back, I feel like that was limiting because um, <laughs> there were all these things that were already set and working with vegetables, obviously the opportunities are endless. Like when I go to a restaurant and I, you know, want to sort of, you know, check out a new chef or a new restaurant and see what they're doing. I, I always order the vegetable dishes. Um, I've always done this because it really shows um, someone's skills and, and creativity. Because like if you have a piece of meat or fish, there aren't that many things you can do with it. You can, you know, in some, some, in some, uh, sometimes you can serve them raw. Uh, then you can cook them in probably two or three different ways. But that's kind of it. And if you have like a, a beet or a parsnip or a celery root, and that is sort of the main ingredient of your dish, you can take this in a hundred different directions. And uh, that's what's so exciting to me. It's, it's a lot less obvious um, how to prepare it. And when you're starting to dig into it, you're starting to realize that, yeah, you have not limited yourself, but it's an expansion. Chef, you're characteristically generous to be um, spending this much time with us. I can't wait to uh, try once 11 Madison Park uh, is reopened. I, I didn't have the, the presence of mind to call in the first <laughs> nine minutes, so I might have to wait for the second month, but that's okay. It'll, it'll be worth it. I also want to just say, you know, what an inspiration uh, you are and have been and, and for you to be working on these issues for so many years and uh, selflessly and, uh, you know, making a real difference. That has been such an amazing inspiration. And uh, I'm so grateful uh, to be here with you uh, to speak about, you know, and learn from you. And, and I would love to learn more. You're, you're really kind to say that, Chef. It, it, it hasn't all been selfless because I've gotten to work with people like you and to, to eat and enjoy the meals prepared uh, <laughs> by you. So uh, that, that part probably cuts into the selflessness. But thank you so much for saying that and for being with us. And uh, just best of luck. I can't wait to uh, uh, pick up the paper, turn on the news or go online on June 11th and find out what people are saying about yes. uh, the new 11 Madison Park. It's very exciting. And just thanks for what you're doing for our planet. Thank you so much, Billy. Great to speak to you. Chef, you reached out to me and we had a phone call. And for me, it was really one of the more moving and 
interesting uh, conversations I've had during this whole time because you talked really passionately and compellingly about what the experience of this pandemic in New York City had meant for you and how you had ended up in a place where you, I think you said something to the effect of, I don't want to feed only the elite. I want to feed everybody that needs to be fed. And this was a result of some really great work you're doing with an organization called uh, Rethink Food. You talked about how you'd, you know, you'd basically, as we know, won every award that there is to win, whether it's a James Beard Award or the best restaurant in the world, but it wasn't enough for you. Talk a little bit about just kind of the, the, the path you've been on since. No, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I feel fortunate for, for many reasons. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I achieved so much in my professional career, more than I ever thought I, I even could. And, and this is critical success. This is financial success. And that before I was 40 years old. And so all of a sudden, I felt a little bit um, lost in a way, especially when we became the best restaurant in the world. I felt like, you know, it was sort of like this. I knew intellectually that these awards are just, you know, ways to motivate myself and ways to motivate my team. And, uh, you know, I, I was a professional cyclist before all of this. So whenever there was a ranking, that was very easy for me to understand. <laughs> and it's easy for the team to understand. And, and, and with the 50 best restaurants in the world, it was great because there was, it came out every year and we we're moving slowly up that list. But the moment we became number one, in a weird way, it, it kind of felt empty a little bit, to be honest. It wasn't all I hoped for. And, and now the next day I went to work and I'm like, okay, what am I going to tell the staff now? What, what, what is our objective now? And at 40 years old, to, the idea of doing this like 30 more years and just doing the same thing over and over again wasn't satisfying. So I think for me, it was clear that, you know, somehow it needs to have a higher purpose to all of this. And I, I've, you know, I've been involved with you guys. I've been involved with other, with other organizations to give back. I've been on the board of Rethink from the beginning on. Um, so I kind of knew to go down that path, but I, I really, for me, it took the, the crisis. It, it took the pandemic to really fully open, open my eyes. And, and I feel a little bit guilty that it took me that long or it took the pandemic um, to, to really get me to fully understand, you know, our responsibility. Also, you know, the power of food, like I, it always bothered me. It always bothered me how expensive it was to eat at 11 Madison Park and only a few people can experience it. Say, say how expensive it is, Chef. Just for, for those who don't know. It's $500 a person to eat here. But at the same time, you know, and, and that's the beauty about food. Food can be so many different things. And, and if food can be an art form, an, uh, a performance almost, like coming to 11 Madison Park is like going to see a Broadway show. 
And for me as an artist and as a chef, to work in this way, work in this beautiful space, work with a world-class team, work with the best ingredients, all of it, that is my passion and I love is very dear to my heart. And, and I don't want to, you know, switch out one for the other, but there has to be another side. So if it can't be an art form, and especially during this pandemic, I'm not so interested in the business part of this industry. Like I'm not, it, it doesn't excite me to just have a restaurant because it's a way to make money. I'm interested to make an impact. And if I can't make the impact on the 11 Madison Park level, then I feel like I just want to feed people, people who have no food. And it's unacceptable. And you, you've been an inspiration to me for a long time. And as I've gotten more to understand what this world is, and understand what you've been doing for the past, I don't know, 25 years, or as I understand, and, and you've dedicated your life towards ending hunger in this country. Um, that's, that's just unbelievable. And, and, and I'm in awe of you uh, to, that, to that work. And, and that's why I called you, because I was like, okay, there's probably no one in this country who knows more about this issue than you. And I want to learn from you and I want to join your effort in any way I can. Well, you know, you've, you've always been a part of this really from the beginning. And I, I so appreciate your, your very kind words. You, you've, you've said so much here that, you know, to kind of unpack. So, you know, let's just go back. I was interested when you said you'd the top 50 restaurants in the world and then the, the best restaurant in the world. And you said, I felt a little bit lost. I felt a little lost. What, what did that feeling, what, what was that like? Did it mean that you uh, weren't sure you, you knew what you wanted to do when you got to the restaurant? You didn't know what you wanted to do with your, uh, your weekend? That, what was that lost feeling like for you? I mean, honestly, like there was a pretty, like there was a minute where I fell pretty in, into kind of a, a hole of just waking up in the morning and thinking about, okay, now I'm going to do this again. Like, you know, I just didn't even know what, what am I doing it for anymore. And of course I love the cooking, but even that I got to do less and less and less because, you know, I, I think in the last 10 years, and, and I think this pandemic is a correction on many things, but, but in our world, you know, when I started cooking, Cooking was just a craft. That was like just learning a craft. And I happened to like cooking and that's why I learned it. I, I never knew that cooking could open the doors that it has. And I'm grateful for it. But then on the other hand, it, it, it went too far where, you know, chefs became rock stars. We were traveling around the world. The red carpet was laid out for us anywhere we went. And we weren't really in our kitchens that much anymore and it started to be kind of like a circus and so um i i, I think well we became brands and of course we benefited from that in many ways and i'm grateful for it but 
almost losing control a little bit of your own destiny. Like, you know, brands would want to be aligned with you. You know, events would want to have you come to speak. And and often it was to, you know, someone else's benefits or it, it didn't have like a really deep meaning. It was sort of like this advertising machine almost. So it, it, it's like the difference between brand management, right? Your focus becomes brand management instead of your passion, which is creativity and art and food. A hundred percent. And so for me, like in this pandemic, I mean, the first, I mean, I just, I, I don't even think this was like a genius move. I just didn't know. I, I, I just did what I knew how to do. And, and when, when every restaurant was shut down and I saw people, wouldn't get meals more than ever. It went from like 1 million of food insecure people in New York City to 2 million within weeks. And the soup kitchens are shutting down. So I was like, well, I do have a kitchen and I have the connections to all the farmers. So so I just, and, and the connection to Rethink, who can help me with this. And, and so it was just a very, it felt like a very obvious thing to do. You basically opened a commissary, is that right? Yeah, yeah. We rehired 20 chefs through Rethink. We talked to the farmers, you know, because everyone was sitting on food too. That's what's so devastating. It's not like we're not in a place where there isn't enough food. And and so through this work, I'm realizing, and you know this much more than I do, but a lot of problems in this country is because we're not communicating. We're just not communicating properly. And, and I guess, you know, th there are things in place that, that are so antiquated, which are in the way, but, but it's a lot about miscommunication. And because there is enough food, like where, when the pandemic hit, food was rotten left and right. And then, but the fee people who needed the meal, you know, rised. So it just didn't make any sense. But then I also realized that the chefs are really a central part in that. And you have realized that a long time ago as well. But the, 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 the chefs control a lot of that communication because I think the chefs are in the center of, you know, talking to the farmers, but then talking also to the consumer that the, the chef is really in the middle of all of this. And, and so as we're producing these meals, I'm realizing that every chef, that's what we do. We know how to create delicious, inexpensive meals. And so if we could just do that all the time and not just during a crisis, I believe that chefs and restaurants can end hunger in the country. I don't think it's going to be the soup kitchens of the world. I think restaurants can play an integral part uh, to solve this issue. So let's talk about Rethink Food. It's a very important organization playing a critical role right now for chefs and for people who are suffering from hunger. How does Rethink work? How did you get involved? So Rethink was started by Matt Chosviak and Winston Chow. And the two of them are the founders, and, and Matt was one of our chefs. Like, and he started the organization three years ago. And when he was working here in the kitchen, he saw, oh, wow, there's, 
there's obviously waste. We pride ourselves not to have a lot of waste, but there just is, even when you try really hard. And and waste could mean like, you know, there's a broccoli dish on the menu and there are stems of broccolis for the next three months that are being unused. So he's like, what if I open a commissary kitchen and and if I have a communication with the chefs from different restaurants ahead of time, and if I know what waste products I'm going to receive, I can create meals with that in mind. And so he started, and I don't know exactly how many meals they were able to ramp up to, but it was sizable. He partnered with a lot of different restaurants around the city, picked up food, cooked these meals, delivered them to various places like homeless shelters, community kitchens, churches. It, it kind of, what, what I liked, what they did really well, I'm realizing now, I think is that they were always very aware that going into all these different neighborhoods that they wanted to support the infrastructure that was already in place. And it's different in every neighborhood, how food gets distributed. And so they, they built some pretty incredible relationships because, you know, and I've been now, you know, I've been all over New York in these last few months and, and I was unaware of, of the New York that's much bigger than the New York I know. And, you know, when you go to these neighborhoods like Brownsville, Brooklyn, East New York, the Bronx, Queens, Long Island, Harlem, parts of Harlem. Um, you know, you go over the bridge, Newark, all these. I mean, it is poor. It is really poor. People are struggling. And we live here and, you know, and we're, we're unaware of it. That we live the lives we live. And there are people just less than a half a mile away who are food insecure. It's unacceptable. So he did an amazing job at starting that. But as I, and then when the pandemic hit, they're not getting any food from restaurants. So then we said, okay, the restaurants should produce the meals. Well, that's what I thought. And then as I'm doing it, I thought, I, I realized how easy it was. We are doing 5,000 meals a day now out of 11 Madison Park. We, we couldn't do that during business hours when we're open, but we could easily do 500. I, mean, I, I realized how it wasn't hard. Chef, you're saying you could do 500 in addition to serving your, your customers. That's right. Wow. And, and currently you're doing 5,000 a day, every day. Every day, 5,000 meals. And where do, those, where do those meals go? So they go to a lot of different places. You know, they go, like in Harlem, we're working with a church. In the Bronx, we're actually working with a restaurant called La Morada that is a very important sort of hub in that community. And they have lists and lists of people who need meals. We are working with some community kitchens that are shutting down, but have the inf- that are shut down, but have the infrastructure to deliver. And uh, so it, it just kind of like for us, it's important that 
wherever we go, that it's going to be something reliable. We don't want to go in and just provide meals for four weeks and then leave. Um, we are really interested in Rethink is not an organization for emergency. It's really an, an organization that has the mission to solve hunger. And um, me personally, the, the, the pandemic made me uh, open my eyes. Um, but, but I'm really interested in the long-term uh, goal here. And so, you know, I'm just uh, I'm thinking of the... Um the two worlds that you, uh, have, have lived in, um, this world of 11 Madison park, where there's probably nights where you're coming out of the kitchen and you're meeting diners and everybody's dressed their best and they're paying $500 a plate. And then here you are in Harlem in the Bronx. And this is survival for the people that you're, that you're cooking for. But, you know, when I hand out some of these meals and, you know, you make connections and, you get to know some of these people and, and just seeing the reaction, even though it is survival, but food is so beautiful and it touches people and, and it touches, it touches them. And, and when, when they say, Oh my God, this is like the best food I've ever had. This is maybe the proudest chapter of, of my career this far. Those moments you, you, you just, it, it's it's an interesting work. In the beginning, you you start doing it because you really you want to help and you want to give back. But then, as you go down that path, it becomes like this really beautiful work where you make this really beautiful connections. And so, it's uh, all of a sudden, it's like you. I I couldn't see myself stopping it. It's like and and you know there's a lot of issues that obviously are connected it's 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 education it's inequality on many levels it's it's food insecurity it's how people like the farming how people are even get to the food i mean i've seen people where we give out boxes of food uh with like perfectly great ingredients like it could have an apple in it it could have chocolate bar it could have celery it could have and and you see people uh taking the boxes and and taking the celery and just throw it out in the trash because people don't know what to do with it and so there there's a, a large amount of education that needs to happen too but it's 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 beautiful and and what's beautiful is that in all these neighborhoods where there i you know there's it seems to be there's so little hope um, but you meet these angels, you meet these angels of people everywhere and who, ha who are positive, who are inspiring, who are there to make a difference in their communities. And, and that's just so beautiful. And, and um, I've, I've, I feel I've been given a tremendous gift during this pandemic to, to give what I've been doing for a long time to give it a higher meaning and, and a, a purpose. And it feels like, I guess it feels like it's not transactional, that there's just more of a relationship involved than there, there could be at any restaurant. There's just more of an authentic relationship. In a way, restaurants were always, you know, here to serve their communities. And I think 
we we kind of lost track a little bit of that. I mean, 11 Madison Park, there were people who came to New York just to eat at 11 Madison Park. They traveled right. to New York City to eat at 11 Madison Imagine that. It's like... Destination restaurant, right? Destination restaurant. And so, uh, in a way, you know, we we have to do more for for our own community. That's what a restaurant is based on. And we lost track. <laughs>